We're going to jump in here with my guest, Amira Dude. That is Rick Turnquest, a good friend. Hi, good morning, Kim. Thanks so much for having me on, on your show today. This is actually a lot of fun co-hosting with you. Well, absolutely. It's great to have you here. And uh, you've written a very important piece called The Progressive Advantage. Mm-hmm. And this is on your um, your website. Uh, let's see. That is to advancefreedom.com. And it's um, you really took a look at what happened this last election cycle here in Colorado. Yeah, so um, I've been following Colorado politics quite closely for several years now since the 2013 uh, legislative session, which was the last time Democrats had one-party control and watched some of the terrible bills that went through that year, um, none of which have, have proven to uh, do what they were supposed to do. But over the years, I've, I've been watching and I've been uh, you know, active on the co-politics hashtag on Twitter. And uh, what, you know, that's really the mosh pit of what goes on in Colorado politics. Uh, Legislators, journalists, uh, activists of all stripes are active in there, you know, pretty much throughout the day. And if you ever want to know what's going on under the Capitol Dome, uh, that's the good place to go. Mm-hmm. And I've been watching and observing as I, I see these groups that are that are all out there and they're all working together to achieve the progressive agenda. And it, I put together a presentation for a meeting of activists that I attended uh, last November after the election. And uh, because we ran out of time, I didn't get a chance to present it. And I kind of just left it, you know, sitting on my desk for, for a few months. And then I dusted it off and decided to publish it as a blog post. But And it's gotten a lot of reaction. I've been on the radio a couple times already right, to talk about it. So, um, you know, basically I'm going to read a little bit uh, here to kind of put it in, put it in place. We conservative libertarians do not have a permanent campaign infrastructure in place. Yes, we have the Independence Institute, the leadership program of the Rockies, of which Kim and I are both alum, uh, the Centennial Institute, and Americans for Prosperity. But the Democrats have an entire universe of organizations that fulfill various functions yet work together to ensure that the progressive agenda advances no matter what. Electorally speaking, it's like a dogfight between Sopwith Camels and F-15s. It's just not a fair fight. Uh, the progressive infrastructure includes organizations, many of them are 501c3s and c4s, to perform the following functions. Fundraising and moving dark money, though they pre- pretend to be against dark money. Uh, rabble-rousing, silencing the opposition, and boots-on-the-ground activism. Think tanks t- to pro- provide intellectual support and move the Overton window. Organizations to recruit and train progressive candidates for office. Organizations to register voters and get out the vote, including ballot harvesting. Organizations to promote their various policy goals with regard to taxation, the environment, social programs, income redistribution, and the like. And then I have a PowerPoint in my blog post, and it's toadvancefreedom.com, toadvancefreedom.com, the progressive advantage. And in this PowerPoint, I, I... I list, oh, I don't know, a dozen or so of these uh, leftist organizations, and I'm not going to name them on the air because I don't want to give them the recognition, but, uh, you know, I identify what the organizations are in general, who who's running them, if I know who's funding them, or I can speculate who's funding them, I do that, and I identify what function they fulfill in the progressive infrastructure. And then if there's an equivalent on the center right, I identify that. And for most of these, there, there's no equivalent on the center right. right. Well, you know, the other thing about this, uh, you, you're mentioning 501c3 or 3s and 4s. And what I've seen that there are a lot of these um, progressive, and people say don't call them progressive, it's regressive. But, and it is because it's moving back to, you know, basically lords and, and you know, the bourgeois, if you will. Um, but they have figured out a way to be a nonprofit 
and get government grants, so other people's money, that then they put forward their agenda, but yet you're seeing them over here influencing elections. And um, once again, that, that is uh, putting fuel in the, the fighter of the F-15. I mean, I mean, it's astounding how they have figured out how to use that. Well, and, and they've really mastered the, the art of, of money in politics. And, uh, you know, we see that through, uh, you know, program or organizations like Planned Parenthood, which receives federal, federal A dollars. A half billion dollars. Yeah. And, uh, you know, teachers and unions, for example, mm-hmm. unions just funnel money, you know, take money from workers and funnel it through the union and, and give to Democrat politicians. And, right. And, and so. So when we say we want to pay our teachers more, yeah, you know, in essence, if the union can get into forced you know, having the union in a, a school district, forcing everybody to be part of that, then, you know, the taxpayer t- pays teachers more, they pay the union, and then the circle just continues. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually legal money laundering it is what it is. <laughs> oh and, uh, you know, it's interesting. There's a bill that's flying under the radar this session because there's just so many bad bills out there to fight. But there's a bill out there to uh, to allow collective bargaining for state government employees, which is essentially creating a state government employees union, which is, uh, you know, public sector unions. Even FDR was against right. public sector unions. And he was, this, he was, was the brain, you know, the progressive movement was his brainchild almost. Well, not totally, I guess. I guess it was Woodrow Wilson and yeah, before that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it started, you know, after the Civil War with, uh, with the rise of the, I forget the name <laughs> of the movement, but, um, you know, progressive movement's been around for over a century and, and, uh, you know, they're I'll, I'll well, I don't agree with their policy goals. I will give them kudos for being effective because they pretty much own our culture and they're pushing Colorado in a direction that uh, a significant number of Coloradans uh, don't don't approve of and don't want to be part of. You know, Rick, you know, I'm, I think I'll just put this out there and we'll come back to it. You know, every you know, America has been very concerned with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the new Green Deal. And I've seen. Um, you know, politicians on the right, people on the right, you know, mock her, you know, and, you know, be somewhat disparaging towards her. I think we need to take her very seriously. And uh, I think that she is a formidable opponent. I actually think that there are are people behind her kind of pulling the strings, but she's an effective face for them because she's young. So she appeals to young people. She's attractive. And and she's very passionate about what she's doing. So we need to take her seriously. But while people are saying, oh, the new Green Deal, that's, a, you know, as I look at what's happening down at the Golden Dome, the new Green Deal is being implemented under our noses right here in Colorado. Well, and, you know, you make a good point about uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or AOC, as everybody calls her. You know, she is, uh, you know, two years ago, nobody had ever heard of her. And now she's, uh, you know, the face of the Democratic Party. And she's, you know, you're, she's everything you said. You know, she's, uh, you know, she's attractive. She has a large following and people, you know, listen to her and give her uh, a lot of weight to what she says. And I think we do need to take people like her seriously because they are, because progressivism in essence, boils down to emotion. It's not an it's not an intellectual movement. It's an emotional movement, and it, it really it really you know it's because people because life is hard, and and you know progressives want government to be their mommy and daddy, their their confessor, their best friend, their teddy bear, mm-hmm. you know, instead of being the self reliant people that built this country or the self reliant people who fought and won World War Two, and uh, you know it's it's really uh, unfortunate that that people want something that should exist 
that exist that should exist solely to protect life, liberty, and property, that they want it to be so many more things. And they're willing to do anything to, to make it happen. For example, this family bill that's in uh, the Senate right now, which would create an insurance program for everybody, every worker in the state would be would be paying a tax into this insurance program. But they for call a it a premium. Well, they call it a premium because they have to evade Tabor. Right. Under Tabor, a tax, tax increase has to be uh, voted on by the people. But if they call it an enterprise and charge a premium, then they theoretically can avoid that requirement. And they know, you know, when Colorado votes on tax return or tax increases, they always uh, vote no. Typically, yeah, they vote no. We're going to, there's so much here. I think we're going to have to have you back because we are going to only have one more uh, segment on this. But Tabor, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, just so you know, basically it's about good manners. It's about consent. It is an amendment in the uh, Colorado Constitution that says to government, hey, if you want to raise our taxes, you just have to ask ask us first. And B... If after a generous formula of uh, population plus inflation, you want to keep that excess revenue, you just have to ask us first. And it's disingenuous when they do these runarounds. But this is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. And I am talking with Rick Turnquest regarding this very important piece that he did, the progressive advantage. You can find it at toadvancedfreedom.com. We're going to go to break on our final segment with Rick Turnquest. We're having a conversation with Rick Turnquist, he has gone in and he has really analyzed the progressive advantage, what happened to Colorado in this last election cycle. And it didn't just happen in one year. I mean, this has been a plan. They are playing long ball, Rick Turnquist. And that's exactly right. So in my blog post, I reference uh, a book called The Blueprint, which is uh, the full title of the book is The Blueprint, How the Democrats Won Colorado and, and Why Republicans Everywhere Should Care. And this book was written by a, a former state representative and a reporter, a uh, couple gentlemen named uh, Adam Schrager and Rob Whitwer. And it basically runs through the early 2000s when uh, the Gang of Four was formed and they, and they created a plan, a blueprint, if you will, mm-hmm. to turn Colorado blue. And they were very successful. And, and our current governor, Jared Polis, was one of the members of this Gang of Four. Um, the four people you know, named in that group are... Uh, Jared Polis, Pat Stryker, who's a, a billionaire that lives up in Fort Collins. The Stryker Medical Devices. Uh-huh. Stryker Medical. She's the heiress uh-huh. of that. Yep, uh, along with her brother, who's also an heir, an, an heir of that fortune. Um, Gil Stryker, uh, Rutt Bridges, who's the father of current state senator uh, Jeff, Jeff Bridges. Bridges. Uh-huh. And then, um, who am I missing? Tim Gill. Yeah, Tim Gill. And right. uh, of the Gill Foundation. So uh, the four of them, you know, along with uh, other people, uh, including uh, Alice Madden, um, Al Yates, um, mm-hmm. you know, some Ted Trimpa, uh, they they got together. They formed what was called the Colorado Democracy Alliance. Ken Salazar. Uh, yeah, yeah, he was mm-hmm. involved, and Al Yates uh, was the former uh, president of CSU. CSU, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. People think of uh, CU Boulder as as this hugely liberal, progressive. CSU basket. is actually, I think, more liberal. Yeah, I think CSU is is quite a bit more. Um, and I know that because I paid two kids tuitions through CSU. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And I know several people who went there, but you know that they they formed this this group and they and they created this infrastructure and and every every element of it is calculated to do one thing and that's to av- advance the progressive agenda. They don't they don't focus on policy things, they focus on winning elections. I think that's what you said, that nugget regarding uh, progress, progressives or progressivism is emotional. I think that was one of the nuggets that you had in that last segment. And I hadn't really thought about it like that. But it, you're absolutely, it's not policy. It's not really issues. It's emotion. Yeah. Yeah. And they, and they, and they, and they, 
base their appeal on emotion. Like if you look at their their bills, like let's take family for example. I've been I fought against it last year. I've been this fighting is that against family leave yes, bill. the family and medical leave insurance bill SB one eighty eight. Um, you know, all the proponents, you know, bring up these people and they tell their their stories. And, and some of them are really heart-wrenching, Kim, and, mm-hmm. and, and they're just terrible. But, you know, the fact of the matter is I think everybody that lives on the planet today has a has a hard luck story they can mm-hmm. tell. I know mm-hmm. I certainly do. Um, and uh, at no time, you know, when I was going through my difficult period, did I expect the government to take money from my fellow citizens and give it to me right. to, to pay my bills. Mm-hmm. It just didn't even cross my mind. Mm-hmm. And so their, their appeal is like... Largely to emotion, and when you when you challenge them with facts and reason, um, you know their arguments fall apart. But people vote based on emotion; they don't based on, they don't vote based on facts and reason. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, when you try to argue with facts and reason, you know it's not effective. It just, is it? it just isn't effective. And so, you know, you, you I think we conservative libertarians or conservatarians, mm-hmm. I like that that uh, that that word. We need to work on on how we can frame our arguments in such a way that appeals to people in their emotional center mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of their intellectual center. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so in the blueprint, they talk about how they formed all these groups and they, and they, you know, they have very specific functions. And I'll mention one because the Bell Policy Center is, you know, kind of the intellectual heavyweight behind a lot of the progressive legislation right. that's going through the Capitol. And last year they had actually written a white paper called uh, a guide to economic mobility. And this, this white paper was actually the source of several bills that were that were going through the legislature mm-hmm. last year, mm-hmm. and some of them were implemented, some of them weren't because we still had a Senate majority back then. Mm-hmm. But uh, and if we haven't seen them this session, we're probably going to see them next session. Yeah, that's quite likely. And you know, the the fact of the matter is, I think they're trying to get their extreme agenda through this session because next year is an election year, so they probably won't be quite as bad as they are this year. But this year has been a nightmare. You know, to recap, we have the oh, national I, popular vote. We have the red flag law. We have uh, uh, sex education. Sex education. Uh, uh, vaccinations was a big gas, one. Uh, uh, this, out oil and gas. Yep. yep. Um, the you list, know, and the list goes the on. List goes That's on. what we should have. <laughs> right. And that, so on my on my blog, I linked to the Rocky Mountain or uh, the uh, the blueprint. And then there's also a short movie called The Rocky Mountain Heist, which is uh, basically tells the same story. Um, but it's in a it's in a YouTube video, and so one of the one of the things that they have in as an advantage is is money, and last election cycle, um, Democrat candidates outraised Republican candidates by a huge margin, and um, you know as of September seventeenth, twenty eighteen, there was a graphic on the uh, Colorado Secretary of State website, and just for people who don't know, all political <clears throat> excuse me. All political committees and and, uh, candidates have to file with the Secretary of State and report the money received and the money paid out. And that's in a database uh, on a website called Tracer. So last September on Tracer, there's a graphic that said Democratic candidates, and this is for all offices in the state, had raised $27 million compared to, get this, Kim, Five and a half million dollars for Republican candidates. That's a five to one margin. And by the time Election Day rolled around, I didn't save the graphic, but my memory is that it was uh, it was an even worse advantage. And for the Colorado General Assembly, candidates for office raised over eleven million dollars altogether. And of that eleven million dollars, 
$8 million of it was raised by Democratic candidates. So I've got a new blog post coming out over the weekend called The Progressive Advantage Part 2, Money, in which I uh, break down, you know, a look at these uh, campaign finances for um, the General Assembly as a whole. But then also I look at the uh, at five House districts, including four that flipped to give mm-hmm. the Democrats a near supermajority in the House, as well as the Senate, where they flipped uh, two mm-hmm. seats to take a 19 to 16 majority. Well, fascinating. Rick Turnquist, we're going to have to have you back because we are just about out of time. Um, but one other thing, my understanding, when you look at the amount on the Dem versus Republican, Polls put in $24 million of his own money. And I'm not even counting that. This is just oh. candidates for the General Assembly. I'm not even oh. looking at governor. That's way more. Oh, my work. gosh. And I'll probably do that in a, at a later date. But this is just the General Assembly. So when is this uh, blog going to be out? I'll, I'll be publishing it uh, tomorrow, Saturday. Okay, and that will be on to advancefreedom.com, to advancefreedom.com. Rick Turnquist, thank you so much for being in studio. And this was your first in-studio debut. This, that's right. It was my first time in studio. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here today, Kim. It's great having you here.